Good evening and welcome to our Wednesday midweek service. And today, actually, we're going to get into a new teaching. Uh, we're going to talk about from the topic, It's in Your Hand. So I think this would be quite fitting based on some things we've, we've been, um, I forgot to ask you this, sweetheart. Uh, I forgot to ask you to ask him if he could sing um, Alvin Slaughter. Yeah, what's that you have in your hand? So, no, nah, no, nah, I actually was going to ask you for today, but I was trying to be nice to this guy right here. I figured he, he would need some time. So, so you know, I thought about it last night, and I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that to him. He's playing with his jaw right now. So, <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, no, I'm going. You know, next week. Yeah, yeah. Can we? Is that enough time, sir? All right. For the people watching online, just so you all are part of the family. We're talking about Minister Lamar over here, okay? <laughs> so, all right, so uh, speaking, speaking of, of what's that you have in your hand, uh, you'll hear it next week. Um, but Alvin Slaughter sings a great song, um, of course, titled What's That You Have in Your Hand. And he's pulling it from the, uh, which we'll get to here in a second, Exodus 4. We're going to go to Exodus 4. Um, and so it's kind of what we're talking about, even though the, to the topic says it's in your hand, but we're actually talking from the angle of like, what's that you have in your hand or what's that you have in your design or what's that you have in your heart? What's that you have in your hand? What's that you have in your design? What's that you have in your heart? You know, Pastor Melanie and the, uh, the heirs family on Bible study fellowship, uh, uh, kind of locked into the scripture when we was going through Exodus as we've been going through Exodus because we're still in Exodus. So uh, we're in Exodus. Today we did Exodus 12, tomorrow Exodus 13. But let's lock in here on Exodus 4. All right, we're going to lock in on... We're going to focus here on verse 2, but I guess we can start with verse 1. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord has not appeared unto thee. All right, so I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to them about you, and I'm going to share with them you, and I'm going to tell them you appeared unto me. Now imagine, you know, Pastor Keith shows up on um, Sunday morning, or Wednesday, and I'm like, hey, the Lord appeared to me. Now, he wasn't... Listen, he wasn't just talking about, you know, I was in the dream. <laughs> he was like, listen, I had a face-to-face -face with God, right? And God told me, look, look, so think about it. You left Egypt. You was with the family, right? You left to go with your family. You go to a mountain, have an encounter with God. You're coming back to a bunch of unbelievers telling them, hey, God appeared to me. First of all, the question is, what God are we talking about, right? And then, and he told me, let all these people that are prospering you go. <laughs> and so Pharaoh's going to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> right? So look at all the layers Moses was processing through you have to go through. Now, you said that, you know, Moses had to process through a lot, but so do we. And talking to our families and talking to our friends and talking to the people we encounter. We're talking to them, trying to let them know what God said, right? 
And so sometimes we'll second guess ourselves. That's why some of us have been limiting our witness. So, so, you know, coming up with things to stay in the house, coming up with things to work. So, you know, coming up with things while you're at the grocery store, no good. Well, God told you to talk to that person. We're coming up with things because they're probably not going to believe me. Now, have you talked to them yet? No. If you run into a stranger, do you know the stranger? No, right? Thanks, Stella. <laughs> no, right? Why don't you know them? Because they're a stranger, right? So how do you know how they're going to respond to you? You don't know them. Right? That's the easiest person to talk to. Because guess what? After the end of the conversation, you may not know me. So it's not like if somebody knows you or they're going to talk about you or they're going to tell somebody you didn't witness right. Oh, no, you terrible at this. Mm. I'm about to post this on Facebook. Yeah, yo, friend me. It's, that's not what's going to happen, right? So you can just what? Share what you know. Um, but, but Moses is processing. He's going back to some place where they know him. Well, he has a reputation, right? And he's saying, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice. They will say, because I know them. Man, the Lord ain't appeared to you. Why would he appear to you? Who are you that anybody would appear to? Wasn't for us, you wouldn't even have nothing. You, you would have either died or we'd have killed you. So, so your only value is what we gave you. So how are you going to come and say, God talked to you? You ain't that important. Right, and go here, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said unto him, which he says to us all the time, if we're listening, what is that in thine hand? So his response to them not believing you is you have already what you need. It's in your hand. He says, what's that you have in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground, and, cast, and, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before. He fled from before the rod that he threw on the ground and turned into a serpent, right? And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. And I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the southern people was breaking down, you don't know, be grabbing snakes by the tail. That, was that you, Venetia? Oh, uh, yeah. Somebody's, one of y'all southerners. <laughs> I didn't know that until you said it that day. So if I'd have ever grabbed a snake by the tail, well, I wouldn't have done that anyway because I'm worried about, I would be worried about them biting me. So I, if I had to grab them, I would grab them right by, well, you can't bite me. I ain't grabbing them by the tail. You can still jump around, you know. So, so I wouldn't have need no, no southern uh, wisdom for that. That's just common sense to me, you know, attack what can attack you, right? Right, so, so, so here you, he, he says, what's that you have in your hand? And as Alvin Slaughter says in the song, oh, I can use it. <laughs> I can use what you have. And so I think, you know, what we're going to discover is we have more in our hand than we realize. Let's go to here to 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, we're going to read 1 through 5, and I'm going to read out of the message translation. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. It's in your hands or in your hand. All right, it says, uh, for instance, uh, we know that 
when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move. So we cry out in frustration compared to, what, to what's coming. Living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. And we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing. A true home. Our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He, look, look, this is the key here. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. So, so the interesting thing is, what do we, it's in our hands. We have a little bit of heaven inside of us. And so, so we have enough in us that's going to have us not settling for anything this world could offer, Right? Anything for this world could offer. Uh, the scripture says in Luke 17, I'm reading out a classic Amplified version, 17:21. It says, Nor will people say, Look here, it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Look, 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 in your hearts and among you, surrounding you. So remember. What's that you have in your hand? What's that you have in your heart? What's that, right? What's that you have, right, in your design already? So we have a little piece of heaven in our design. Look, we have, we have, a, we have a, the kingdom of God inside of us. That's what we have. See, we have a tendency to look around for what's within. It's in our hand. We have a tendency to look around for what's within. We're constantly searching for purpose and, and, and getting our thirst quenched when the whole time it's been embedded within us. See, they're, they're, these are spiritual reserves that are stirred up when we get within the presence of God around or within our associations. So when we get, when we get around somebody that's been in the presence of God, right, or we're around someone like, you know, uh, you remember in the, uh, the peanuts, right? Pig pen. So every, every, time, every time we went somewhere, it was a, a big cloud of soot. Uh, you know, just, you know, every time he's walking, you know, it was just this big cloud around them. Well, we, we, we're, if we do this the right way, we don't realize there's supposed to be a big glory cloud around us. We're going to talk about a little bit of that in um, Afraid of the Light on Sunday, Right? But, but we actually have more in hand than we realize. We have more in hand than we realize. That's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because that little piece of heaven in me gets stirred up when I'm around a little piece of heaven in you, right? And it gets stirred up when I'm around a little piece of heaven in you, right? And so, so God gives us these things so when we come around Things start to move and things start to happen. See, we get tempted into urgency. That's what our challenge is, uh, into trying to calculate outcomes. You know, Matthews uh, 6, 19 through uh, 31, it starts, 19 starts off, says, take no thought, saying, you know, you know uh, where shall I eat? Where shall I drink? Where shall I be clothed? 
And it talks about the fowls of the air. It talks about the lilies of the field. It says, you know, you know, uh, they're taken care of and they don't, they don't have as much value as us. And it says, I know you have need of these things, clothing and things to eat. He says, uh, the Gentiles have need of these things when you get to verse 31. He says, he says, I know you have need of these things, but seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things uh, be added. See, so we try to calculate and search out these controls, right? Um, but we need to forget all those supposed needs and lock into our God seeds, right? Like, so, so, so in other words, the, the, the culture tries to get you, hey, worry about this, watch out for this, watch out for this, hey, watch out for that. Hey, you know, I, I think, you remember when we was young and they were saying that eventually the sun, I guess, would be so hot, the whole world would be destroyed, like, like when we was real little, you know. The ozone layer, that's what he's talking about. Remember, they was talking about, you know, and they constantly talk about the ozone layer. Like, if, if you worry about the ozone layer, what you going to do about it? Stand out there by the ozone and just kind of, you know, just make sure, hey, hey, don't go too far. Like, what you going to do? Like, you think, you, like, honestly, even you, you know, they had you worry about COVID. Even if you worry about it, airborne disease is everywhere. Only thing you can do is stay under the blood, really, Right? But they, they set up these things to have you worried because they think you got to find something. So they create needs. You, you know, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I know they do this in insurance, so, so don't get mad. But, you know, they kind of create a need. You know, you go, you tell people, you have them, hey, you know, I, I seen like, uh, <laughs> you know, some people actually read the obituary so they know where to go, right? <laughs> so, so I seen like you had quite a few people in your, in your neighborhood them passed away, you know, but they weren't prepared. You should be prepared. Uh, when they come to your house and they try to sell you security, what do they do? You know, they, uh, we've heard that there's been quite a few break-ins. Like, you ain't hear about it, but somebody don't live in your neighborhood comes to your house and they heard about it. You know, there's been quite a few break-ins in this area, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you probably just want to get a security system, right? What do they do? They try to create something to, for you to look out to get something that they have to offer. But you have everything you need. You have the security on the inside of you. You have your insurance in Christ, right? By your insurance, okay? That, that wasn't my point. I'm trying to uh, unemployed insurance people, right? But you understand what I mean when I say that? And so, we, so it's not about uh, trying to calculate and search for controls. Forget all those supposed needs and lock into the God seeds, what we have already in our hand, in hand right? So, so, so let's go to Philippians 3. I, I thought this was interesting, you know, very, very interesting as we talk about, you know, again, it's in your hand. You know, what do you have in your hand? You have that piece of heaven in you. You have these, uh, these things that God already uh, uh, designed. Look, look what he said, uh, God has uh, dealt every man what? A measure of faith. He shed his love abroad in our heart. Do you think when God said it was finished, he forgot you? <laughs> he said it was finished, right? That was, that was seven last words, right? That, that, hint, hint, it's finished. When God said, when the scripture says in Genesis 1, uh, God was finished in, with the heavens and the earth and all the host of them. Uh, well, Genesis 2, right? Right? 
You think he forgot about us? I'm finished with everything but Keith. <laughs> Man. <laughs> My bad, Keith. <laughs> you know, you weren't that important. No, that's not how God was thinking. Right? You think God finished everything and just, I don't know, he was just so busy, forgot about Tiana? He just, you know, it was a long day that day. A few earthquakes, some tsunamis. Just didn't get to you. You think that's the case? No, 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 no. So if God didn't forget about Tiana, that means God, Tiana has some things in her hand that God can use. All right? She don't need to look around. She needs to look within. Right? She needs to believe what God gave her already. See, this is the plight of the enemy. He's been doing it ever since the Garden of Eden. He tried to convince Eve she ain't have enough. She already had everything she needs. She was fearfully and wonderfully made. God made her in his image and likeness. Satan tried to convince her, you, that's not enough. You need more. So he created a need for her to seek outside of what she already had to eat of that tree. And he's been doing the same thing ever since. <laughs> right? Remember we tell, we tell the story of, we're going to get to Philippians 3. We tell the story of the... Uh, uh, you know, the guy that had the, 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 the farmland, the husband, man, and he, he, he hired these guys, and he said, okay, I'm going to pay you this amount. And so, you, so I could see them going, you're going to pay us what? So I'm going to pay you this amount. Cool. Yo, hey, we on it. So they go to work, but he realized I'm not going to get the work done, so I need to get some more guys. So he, he, he hires some guys, some other guys, you know, they might, you know, they come after the work is already done. He said, listen, man, you guys, you stand around here, you need some work. I got some work at the farm. You guys want to, I got to figure out what to pay you. But they just wanted the job. Cool, I'll take the job. Then he realized I'm still not going to get it done. So it's an hour left. He goes out and some other guy's standing around. He said, listen, man, you work for me for an hour. He says, you know, just an hour, but I'll figure out what to pay you. And they was like, it's a job. Cool. When he finished, he paid everybody the same wage. The people that he first hired that was so excited at the contract that they signed, they were mad because the other people got the same amount and worked less hours. Now, why were they really mad? Because they were comparing. Remove the other guys coming, would they have been happy with what they got? Yes. They got what they agreed to and what they were promised. Somebody else getting the same thing doesn't change the value of what you got. See, when we're looking around is when we get in trouble. We got to look within, all right? So Philippians 3. This is great here. Um, let's see here. Verse 12. What's the t verse 12? Philippians 3, verse 12. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or complete. It says, but I follow after that I may apprehend for that also, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now remember, we said there's a little piece of heaven in us that's looking for connecting with people that have some heaven around them or heaven within them, right? So, so, so all of heaven is trying to, uh, uh, remember, 
He's seeking whom he, seeking worshipers, trying to find that little piece that's in us to draw. You know, uh, Ms. Lamar, you always talk about being fitly joined together, right? It's something that happens when all the pieces in places. What was that? Teaching a, a, a pieces and picture in pieces, right? Right? All right, verse 13, it says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended already, right? So, so I, haven't, I haven't apprehended what I want. But this one thing I do. So I haven't, I haven't apprehended, but behind the colon is how I am going to get what I want. It says, forgetting those things which are behind, all the, the worries, concerns, controls, uh, what people said that I can and cannot do. Actually, some of us have actually done some cruel, thoughtless, heartless things. Guess what? You can forget that too, right? It says, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, right? It says, look, I press toward what? The mark for the prize of what? The high calling of God, right, in Christ Jesus. So, so I'm forgetting the things that are behind, and I'm pressing toward the high calling. Look, I'm pressing towards what I have in my hand, right? I'm forgetting all these layers that's clouded me from what I already have. See, uh, there are treasures in heaven we've been given to sow um, into the earth realm to manifest the perfect will of God. So we have these treasures hidden in earthen vessels. We already have it. It's already in hand, right? And so what God wants us to do is sow ourselves into, into this world and manifest the kingdom of God, right? But a lot of times we're holding back or we're layering ourselves with the world so we're not releasing the God seeds within us. We're not releasing what we have in our hand because we don't think it's valuable. We think it's just a rod. Yeah, the rod in your hand is just a rod. A rod release can turn into a miracle. Right? Right? If we're not in tune with the kingdom of God within, we'll miss God's mark or his timing. You know, there's a, to everything there's a season, there's a time for every purpose. Right? So that purpose is, is what we have in our hand. It's what God has given us to do our part in this earth realm to manifest the kingdom of God. Remember? Listen. We went all through the Bible. You ain't seen no more accounts of, of what uh, was it? Uh, two fish and some loaves. Is that what it was? Or two loaves and was it two fish? Right. How come you ain't see that repeated over and over and over? People just running around. At least I want to make sure I got uh, two fish and five loaves. <laughs> right. But but that's what he had in his hand. Remember, everybody was hungry. There was like. And they was like, man, you know, we ain't, ain't going to have these people hungry. They're out here in the wilderness. How are we going to feed them? He said, what's available? What do we already have in hand? Well, that's a boy over there with two fish and five loaves, but we got thousands of people here. Yeah, it's only two fish and five loaves in his hand. But he releases it. It's a miracle. Right? You see that? Remember when... Uh, uh, the prophet came to the woman. She said, he said, well, what you about to do? He says, well, uh, uh, you're about to take this little bit of meal, make a cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and die because this is it. <laughs> he said, okay. Look, now, now, see, see, 
she basically said, I got enough for a last, our last supper. And the prophet said, okay, cool, make me a cake first. Now, how many of us would even have said that to somebody? Because they're, 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 they're already starving. He raised his hand. Like, I don't think he raised his hand out of miracle. I think he raised his hand out of greed. <laughs> Give me some too, right? But he said, make me a cake first. What he was basically saying is, you have enough in your hand for a miracle. But you got to release it, right? You got to realize you have enough. You got to realize you have enough. It's in your hand. <laughs> Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? That's why the Bible says God takes the foolish things of the world and confound the wise. We're looking around. We're, it's already in. It's built in. It's, we're, you know, we did a message a long time ago. We're engineered for excellence. We're engineered for signs, wonders, and miracles. We have more than enough. Something, but the adversary wants to convince us that we don't have enough, right? We're looking around for what we already have. See, our fish and our loaves are what we have in our hand, or should I say, in our heart. That's our fish and our loaves. See, what's embedded in our heart, our heart is what's been driving the ship for a long time. We probably just don't realize it, right? The, 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 the scripture talks about out of thine own bowels, out of, out of the heart, out of the, 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 the passions of our heart. So there's things we'll do out of our own bowels. That's a Genesis 15, uh, 1 through 6. You get a chance, you can write that down. So, but that, that lines up with the scripture in Matthew 12, 35. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good fruit. See, there's things, already, there's things in there. Now, how does that good man become a good man to produce good treasure? He got to clean out all that corruption. That's why we must be born again, right? We got to clean out all those layers so we can release what's in us. You know, Watchman Nee, Watchman nee talks about that in the book, Release of the Spirit. Uh, he says a lot of times we're praying for things. God sends us what it takes to break us to re- so we can release what's in us. But we avoid brokenness. We all know it's just breaking our will, it's breaking that surface, it's breaking all these things we've layered, these all, all these protective custodies, all these things so we don't look bad, so, so it doesn't look like we make mistakes. Like we don't take on responsibilities and build and grow anything because we don't, if we take on a responsibility and someone's going to hold us accountable. You know, we just did a, a relationship boot camp, you know, and the thing is uh, I, I used to be the point person for a lot of events not a lot of events, all the events. I was the point person. And what I discovered is, you know, pressure reveals character. So when, 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 and then now you got pressure and the anointing when an event takes place. So the anointing reveals character too, reveals character too. So what happens is you could see some of the most wonderful people when we had these major events. Yeah, you got thousands of people. You got uh, all these pastors coming in from all over the world. Um, I'm saying this because, you know, this is where we're going, right? And so, and, you, and people be like, ah, okay, you know, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're impatient. Hey, hey, you're like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you can be as urgent as you want. That doesn't change the situation. All of a sudden now they believe, they're, they're, you know, like they're on stage like it's a big performance. When we're supposed to go deeper and rest in God, right? We're not supposed to, you know, panic and, and get, all, get all worked up, right? You know, but, but 
sometimes we're carrying so many things. That's why some people don't want to take over responsibility. You know, I'll help, but I don't want the responsibility. I don't want God to use what he put in my hand and then just in case it don't work out. So I'll help you with what's in your hand. <laughs> right? All right, so, so, so I want to give you this. Uh, uh, got a couple of little thoughts here from uh, C.S. Lewis. People online, you know, you, you have to uh, go back and look at the video or write this down uh, because I don't have it displayed for you. All right, it says, so there have been times when I think we do not desire heaven. It says, but more often I find myself wondering whether in our, in, in our heart of hearts we've ever desired anything else. So, so the author's saying, I wonder do we desire heaven, but he says now when I really, when I go deep into God, I realize we probably have never desired anything else. He says, you may have noticed that the books you really love are bound together by a secret thread. You know very well what is the common quality that makes you love them, though you cannot put it into words. Again, you have stood before some landscape which seems to embody what you have been looking for all your life. You have never had it, but you were looking for it, right? All the... Th- all the thing that has ever deeply, all the things that, have, that has ever deeply possessed your soul have been but hints of it, tantalizing glimpses, promises never quite fulfilled, echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. But if it should ever really become manifest, if there ever came an echo that did not die away, but swelled into the, into the sound itself, you would know it. Beyond all possibility of doubt, you would say, here at last is the thing I was made for. We cannot tell each other about it. It is the secret signature of each soul, the incommunicable and unappeasable want, the thing we desire before we met our wives or made our friends or chose our work, and which we shall still desire on our deathbeds when the mind no longer knows wife or friend or work. While we are, this is. If we lose this, we lose all. That's C.S. Lewis. I got that from C.S. Lewis. This is the book, The Problem of, the, of Pain. And so, so what the author is saying is there's something that's been driving us for years. We pick up things and we do things and, we, and we, we, we participate in things and we think, what a coincidence. No, it's not. It's a reason why. We gravitate to things. It's a reason why. I'm not talking about the, cor- the, the corrupted us. I'm talking about the us before corruption. There was things, there's the, you know, I look at now, you know, uh, obviously I do graphics here. But I've been doing art since I was a kid. I was always, Why? Well, I was always drawn. I mean, without nobody telling me. Like, you know how you tell your kids to do your homework? You might have to get me to do that. You might have to put some pressure on me, take something from me. But you ain't had to get me to, to art. I was doing that. Listen, I'm young. I'm in, I'm in middle school. I'm in high school. Look, nobody's around. Nobody's, 
Did you finish that mural today, Keith? Nobody's, I completed artwork on my own. I completed poems on my own. I was always writing. I've been writing all my life. Nobody had to tell me. Look, studying. When I got, when I got serious into the word, one thing nobody ever had to do. Listen, you're going to learn more if you start studying this word. Once I, start, once I started to figure stuff out, I just, I've always studied. I had to work to finish chapters because I'd, I would always find something to study. So what I had to learn to do is put aside what I picked up while I was reading so I can complete the chapters. You know, because I start reading, I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. I'm all over the place. So instead of doing that, I was like, oh, this is going to be some good nuggets for later. All right? But nobody has to, no pressure. Even now, like, I'm unsupervised. You know that. Well, I'm supervised by God. But you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like Pastor Mel's not, hey, 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 hey. You finished that lesson today? You know you got to teach on, on Wednesday. Yeah, well, let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see where you're at. Let me, nah, nah, nah. That ain't good enough. Get back in there. There ain't no studying. Call that studying? What kind of mess is this? Well, get, get some more scriptures. She don't have to do that. Like, it's, it's, it's why? Because there's something in there. I mean, even when I was pursuing basketball, ooh, but i tell you all this. Even when I was pursuing basketball, I never really wanted to play basketball for a long time. When I, because I had, I don't, I like finishing stuff. I stayed with basketball as long as I did because I like finishing stuff. And, I, and what I always said, what nobody else knew, it's way before I met my wife, anything. I was like, well, you know, I play for a couple years so I can always say I completed it. And then I'm going to go to seminary so I can learn more about the Bible. You know, that, that's the denying the calling thing. Y'all got y'all's. I'm just giving you mine. Y'all got y'all little things where you're like not really committed, committed, but hovering in the area. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I was just making sure I had to come out there and prophesy. <laughs> right? So that's what I was doing. Why? Because from the time, like, and I always was God conscious. You know, somebody was asking me, uh, interviewing me for something, and it was just like, so, so, when did you start living for God? I was always, and I, and I, never, I never thought about it. I said, well, I was always God conscious. I just wasn't clear, and I wasn't all in. But you can never tell me there was no God. Like, I was never walking around like there was no God. I prayed before and after I did things I wasn't supposed to do. I was about to say what I did. But, but, but I, now, God wasn't hearing me because God doesn't hear the prayer of the sinner, but I didn't know that. And when I took those kids to chapel that day when I was working in, in corrections, why? All the people on the campus, I wasn't even going to church. But I saw these, I, I knew there was chapel. It would come up every week. I was like, well, just because I'm not going to church, why should they be deprived? Why did I even think like that? So I took them to chapel. And that's when I, I really got a clarity of, 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 of the value of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Like, why? Why am I even thinking like that? Why was I always helping people? I've been, actually, when I went to college, I said, I'm, I'm a minor in art, because commercial art, that was my thing. I wanted to be a commercial artist. I said, but I'm a major in psychology. But I only picked psychology, you know, the game of life. I knew that was on there. It was one of the, the places psychologists made money in the game of life. Yeah, right? But that wasn't my, my biggest reason. I was like, because I like helping people. So I attached psychology to helping people. 
I said, well, I'm always helping people. And I ain't know. I was, I was like, me and Ray be hanging out, and he'd he be dealing with something. I said, hey, try this, and it will work. And I'd be like, I just go about my business. I just, I just see the solution. I'm talking about this is ever since I was young. I taught the young, the, when y'all see the picture of me with, with my feet up with them, if you really look hard, those sneakers are jacked up. I, just, I saw that. But I got my little glasses on, the, the picture we just found recently, and there's a baby on the porch. I taught her colors. I taught her colors, right? I'm not that, I'm not, I'm a kid myself. I'm teaching somebody colors. They have no reference of colors. Blue could be pink for all they know. But I, I taught her colors. I, I taught her to walk. I came up with a, a way to get her to walk. I'm a kid, though. I'm not, listen, I'm a kid kid. And I taught her to work. She took her first steps with me. Not with her mama. You understand what I'm saying? So this was always in me, always trying to help. Even when I was uh, out there hanging out, he was working with a guy, and he could sing, and I was working uh, as a, as a uh, code enforcement officer, housing inspector. I said, well, you can sing, man. Why don't you just go to these talent shows? I started taking them to talent shows. Figured out the system in the talent shows, and what they would do is, you know, they have people they favored. And, and you know, like you saw, what was it, Five Heartbeats, where the guy was messing up the music? They would do that. And so, so, so I, I scoped it out. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come back, but you bring in your own music. I said, because I noticed something here. They weren't playing so you could sing. So I said, we're going to come with our own music. But I didn't get paid for it. I would be dating somebody. Like, I was like, you, you know, I, I used to sing, but ever since he broke my heart, I was like, well, well, well why would you stop singing for him? <laughs> Now, now, I'm dating a girl, and I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> I said, yeah. like, like, I'm always helping. I'm saying this, but I want you to locate yourself. There's a reason why you're the way you are. There's something in your hand, and God can use it. That's why he says present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. He says, all I, all I need is what I gave you. <laughs> That's all I need. Can I have that? Can I have all of what I gave you? I'll take it from there. It's in your hand, right? All right, so, so let's go to Ecclesiastes 3. You, you with me so far? You got me? You getting this? So uh, Ecclesiastes 3, and, and I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 for the sake of time. I'm going to read out of the classic Amplified version. That's why he tries to abuse us because when you're, when you're abused, you try to protect yourself from it ever happening or you try to hide the effects of it. And so you can't focus on what's in you. You see what I'm saying? Everything is trying to set you up so you, so, so you would devalue yourself. You think you're less than. You're, you're damaged goods. As Terrell was teaching about the, one of the times he was teaching how, you know, if something's broke, it's gone. It's, you might as well throw it away, right? But some of us, we operate like that. Well... I've been in a bad relationship. I messed up, had children out of wedlock. I've gone through abuse. I was an abuser. Uh, you know, I neglected my family. I hurt people. Oh, no, 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 I'm damaged goods. Yeah, no, no, we're not damaged goods. Because guess what? There's something that's still in your hand. You haven't offered that yet. All right? All right, so Ecclesiastes 3, 10 and 11, it says... 
I have seen the painful labor and exertion and miserable business which God has given to the sons of men uh, with which to exercise and busy themselves. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Key word there. He also has planted, look, look, he has planted in eternity in men's hearts and minds a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning uh, to the end. So another, uh, another uh, version might be King James says he said eternity in our hearts. So here, we're, we're out here, it says the painful labor and exertion and miserable business, right? Exercising and busying themselves. He has made things beautiful in his time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages with nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. So a lot of times we're looking for uh, medications. We're looking for people. We're looking for parents. We're looking for all these different things. Um, we're trying to keep up with everybody. We're looking for homes and styles and cars and titles when the only thing that can satisfy what's in our hand is, what, is when we give what's in our hand to God. All right, read another thought here by C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he, he, that's uh, Chronicles of Narnia. That's where we got that movie from. From his books, he has a whole series of books. What was it the Lion, the, the Witch, and the, the Witch, the Lion, and the Wardrobe? Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So it says most people, if they had learned to really look into their own hearts, would know that they that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. It says, there are all sorts of things in this world that, that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. Creatures are not born with desires un- unless satisfaction for those desires exists. For example, a baby feels hunger. Well, there's such thing as food, right? There's, there's such a thing as food. I'm sorry. A duckling desires to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made from another world. Right? If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures will never were never meant to satisfy it, but to arouse it to suggest the real thing, and that will be God. You see what I'm saying? And that would be God, right? So think about it. The Bible says we're in this world, but what? Not of this world, right? We're in this world but not of this world. Speak healing over that body in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, cramp. Mm-hmm. 
right? We're in this world, but not of this world, right? So that's what's going on. Like, we're living inside a world, but we're not of the world, so there's not much in the world that can quench our thirst. But we constantly grab at things to quench our thirst, right? Our fulfillment is from the inside out, not the outside in. Our fulfillment is from the inside out, not the outside in. It's in our hand, right? It's in our hand, right? The scripture says in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, we're aliens, we're strangers on this earth, right? We're aliens, we're strangers on this earth. See, that's why we pray for heaven to manifest on earth. We're praying for the true nourishment for our hearts, we're, trying, we're praying for, like, uh, uh, for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10, right? We're praying for it to be filled with the fullness of God, Ephesians 3.19. Let's look here real quick at Ephesians. So Ephesians 3.19 uh, and 20. Ephesians 3. 19 and 20. We don't need a crowd. Don't need a crowd. Ephesians 3, 19 and 20. <laughs> yeah, it's just a cramp. She's just dealing with a cramp. All right, it says, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God, Right? So not filled with the world, but filled with the fullness of God, Ephesians 3.19. But look at this. It says, now unto him. Now, I just talked about the fullness of God, right? It says, now unto him that is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, we're asking or thinking what? According in harmony with what? The power that works in us. See, we have that, that remember, that, that taste of heaven in us. And God, that from his heaven realm, is, is, is designed to meet the demands of what's already working in us. That's what we're praying. Uh, we pray for, uh, we're believing for spiritual blessings from heavenly places, Ephesians 1, 3, right? Spiritual blessings from heavenly places. Basically, Matthew 6, 33 says what? Seek ye first, what, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what? And all these things will be, what? Added unto us. So basically, Matthew 6.33 is fulfillment instructions. It's saying, seek first the kingdom. Everything you need will be satisfied as the kingdom in you. Remember, the kingdom of God's within you, right? So that's the deep within you, so because you have a treasure hidden in the earthen vessel. So it's deep within us, right? So basically, Matthew 6.33 is the fulfillment of instructions for us to seek ye first the kingdom, and everything you need will be satisfied as the kingdom in you calleth unto the kingdom of God. In heaven, in heaven realm. So the Bible says what? Deep calleth under deep. Right? So the kingdom that's within me is calling unto the kingdom 
of heaven, right? Psalm 42, 7. Uh, the, the, the easy read version of that scripture says, I hear the roar of waters coming from deep within the earth. Uh, it shouts to the waters below as it tumbles down the waterfall. God, your waves come on after another, crashing all around and over me. Right? So that scripture says, lay hold on eternal life. Right? So you have this, this, we, we, we've been equipped. We already have in our hand what we need. And the thing is, when we offer it up, when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, when we offer it, all right, now things start to move. Just like with a seed, you start to offer a seed to the ground, it sets off a chain reaction and things start to move. Things start to happen with the soil. The soil starts to, to, to now, almost like a magnet, attracts to the seed and, and pours in nourishment that fills the seeds up to an overwhelming place where it breaks open and it releases what's on the inside. What's on the inside is so strong, it bores through the dirt. Listen, it bores through the dirt and it resurrects life and it starts to reproduce from that point. So, so what happens is we have things on the inside of us buried, right? And when we offer ourselves as a seed, what it does is it, it, it starts to pull the nutrients that's in this, this dirty world, right? It starts to pull the, the, the things of God because, see, there's people in this world that's not of this world. Just like you have things, you have a, a nutrients in the soil, right? And so it starts to pull things in us and we get so filled up it breaks what's been holding us back and it releases what's on the inside, we start to resurrect and we start to produce fruit, right? But it starts with us offering what's in our hand. And that starts off with a chain reaction. The adversary understands that, so his job is to try to bury what's in us through pain, through frustration, through insecurity, through what they say, what they're doing. He tries, if that doesn't work, he tries to put on... He tries to get us to wear somebody that we're not, you know, so that, that ain't going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that doesn't work, he tries to get us to second guess who we are. All these things keeps us so diverted and distracted. Think about, we talk about the, uh, the rat race. Some people are so caught up in keeping up, like, it's always like a, another carrot. You know, it's just another carrot. It's keeping up, keeping up, keeping up, keeping up. But you have everything in your hand already. And honestly, the people that are supposed to be in our lives, the relationships that we're supposed to have, they're looking for the God designed us. They're looking for what's in our hand. They're not looking for what we've taken on. Does that make sense? All right. Well, that's all for today. <laughs>